0: Oh, and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this week we're talking about season five, episode thirteen. Gay it forward. <laughs> now, if you heard us take a very intense,
1: a pregnant pause,
0: breathy pause, an
1: m-pregnant pause,
0: it's because, as you know, on our show, it is our policy to omit the f-word.
1: Right. This shouldn't happen as frequently as it happens on this show. And yet...
0: And yet, here we are again in Season 5 having to find ways around the F-word.
1: Now, as we all know, Will & Grace is a British show about cigarette manufacturers. (laughs) So it does make sense that we be using the F-words deliberately. Yes. But, oh, wait. No, I am just hearing from our producer, Eliza, that it is not a British show about cigarette manufacturers. Nope. This does explain a lot.
0: Yes. Yes. So, it's actually a show about gay people.
1: Gay people? <laughs>
0: Indeed. Um, so, the actual title of the episode is the F word malia, they play on Pygmalion.
1: It's, in a certain sense, playing on Pygmalion is rather clever. Pygmalion is a classic of gay culture. Mm-hmm. Um, Pretty Woman is not gay culture, but My Fair Lady is sort of gay culture. So, that's and, how the spectrum goes. We're like,
0: Julia Roberts kind of toes the line. She's like bisexual culture. The
1: revival of My Fair Lady on Broadway where Eliza Doolittle does not get with Henry Higgins is very gay culture.
0: Indeed. So, um, as frequent listeners of the show know, we usually substitute the F word with the word Frenchman. But, however, in this pun, it really doesn't work. Um, We've
1: decided instead to refer to this uh, series, because it is a series. There are several parts to this. As figmalion.
0: Yes, because figs are not offensive.
1: They have wasps in them.
0: Yes! Yay, wasps!
1: Yay, wasps! the
0: actual title of this episode is Figmalion Part 1, Gay It
1: Forward. And I think we should talk about the part one, because I hate it.
0: There are four parts, however, they are not...
1: Consecutive.
0: There is part one and part two. Yes. So part two will be coming to you next week. Then there are two more episodes, and then we have received part three and four. It's I some sort of weird cock tease of an episode. I arc.
1: want to be confident that Will and Grace will find a way to justify the fact that we're taking two weeks off of this plotline that no one asked for. But this is the fifth season of the show I've watched now, plus a revival season, and I'm not in any way confident that that will happen. I just... It is indicative of the random scheduling and continuity choices this show has been making since the beginning. Truth. I mean, Grace got married in this, in this season, and there was literally no mention of her having literally run away from a wedding in her past, except, like, when she was literally about to run away from the wedding.
0: Continuity is a bitch. Yeah. All right. So with all of that said, mm-hmm. let's do the episode description. Yes.
1: I think that's a great idea.
0: So, for Figmalion Part 1, Gate Forward, Grace is puzzled over what to make of her strange bohemian neighbor when she moves into Leo's Brooklyn digs. Now, as we have mentioned several times on this podcast, the Hulu descriptions are bad.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, this spoiler is- alert, the as far as I know, I maybe Tess has some extra information to give on this, I would certainly hope that the story of Grace's Bohemian Neighbor is not a four-part epic. There's a completely different four-part epic that begins, uh, where Will and Jack are trying ultimately to... Turn Karen's cousin Barry into, into the perfect gay man. Yes. A la Pygmalion.
0: Yes. So, thus the title. Right. Um, so, the actual plot of this episode, the A plot, is more Karen sets Will up with her cousin Barry. Mm-hmm. Will goes on a date with Barry, discovers he is baby gay and needs help.
1: And he came out like three weeks ago. Like, like literally, like, like
0: yesterday. Like, he just came out. And then the other sub, the other plot is Grace has apparently only just now officially moved to Brooklyn. Uh, yeah. She's been married for like a bunch of episodes by this point. It could be three
1: years at this point. Who the
0: fuck knows? Um, but she, so she's finally unpacking, but not really. And her neighbor comes over and her neighbor is weird.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And some weird shit happens that we'll get into later.
1: I do think, considering how uh, savage I'm being to the idea of this four part Pygmalion plot line. I think that the idea of having a baby gay that Will and Jack encounter, who they take under their wing, is really quite clever. Mm -hmm. And I especially love that Will is being presented as a gay man who openly dates people.
0: Yes. That is unusual for this show. Because often he is sort of like a pet gay. Right. And he is, you know, neutered and there.
1: I mean, like, really, I think Grace has had more boyfriends this season than Will has had the entirety of the show.
0: Okay, that's a bit of...
1: It's a bit of an exaggeration. But in most seasons, it's true. Like, Yes. Grace has is dating someone every day of the week. Will's romantic partners are literally like Michael.
0: Patrick Dempsey. Patrick Dempsey. The guy with the dog. The guy with
1: the dog. Um, There was one other person.
0: It wasn't Vince. We haven't gone to him yet.
1: No. Oh, it was the bisexual guy. Oh, yeah. The but bi- they bisexual weren't really guy. dating. No. And Michael okay. Douglas.
0: But again, also they weren't really dating.
1: They were... Michael Douglas thought they were dating.
0: Michael Douglas was dating. It was a whole thing. That was the other time we had a baby gay plotline. Yeah. Okay, so, let's talk about Barry.
1: Barry is adorable.
0: Barry looks familiar for some reason. Yeah. But I can't figure out why.
1: I think it's just he's got that kind of look. Like, he's got the, like, he's wearing the sweater. He's got the goofy ha- glasses. He's got
0: these horrible 90s glasses. Yeah. They're coming back into fashion now, the kind that are, like, really big with the mm-hmm. bar across. The- no.
1: And he's got, like, kind of longer hair. And, like... He looks like a sad kick puppy. He like, does. He's not like Jack's future love, past and future love, um, the short cop.
0: Oh. Who is
1: a much better presented baby gay. Yes. Um, Where, like, you actually see, like, he's new and excited about it, like, Barry is kind of sad about being he's gay He's sort still. of, like,
0: resigned about the fact that his relationship with Mary Elizabeth didn't work out because he's not straight.
1: Right. I mean, like, he's excited to, like, go on his, you know, first homosexual date. And Which have he his, calls it. His first homosexual kiss. And touch his first homosexual penis. Although that's probably not true, objectively.
0: I feel like, and this may be something, for because we are millennials, mm-hmm. it's hard for us to imagine anyone coming out before they've done some same-gender loving. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's the case for him. Maybe he, maybe he's one of those folks who decided he was gay because being straight just wasn't working
1: for him. I mean, him. I came out before having any same gender loving. So, did you? Well, kind of, to some people. Did you? Yes. You came out as bisexual, though. Although as an actual perfect, bisexual,
0: I'm here to represent us in saying that that does not count. That's not fair. <laughs> you didn't come out as gay until you had some same-gender loving.
1: Fine.
0: Anywho, so Barry, he's adorably awkward.
1: And I think that having this character involved with Will and Grace for multiple-episode run isn't inherently a bad thing.
0: Right, and so Will is understandably a bit disappointed when he first encounters Berry, because I mean, I would also be a little disappointed if I had been sold someone's, you know, potato salad making cousin, right? And show and who showed up was Matt, the radar tech,
1: right? Of from course. SNL. And it's like it's sad, but also like Will is, like a little. In my opinion, Will's too mean to him. That's the the part of this episode that hurts me the most, other than the entirety of Grace's plotline. Right? Is that like Will is like really like oh really I got to reject. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I can't even
1: go dating in this city without bumping into someone who's only been gay for 20 minutes. You I know? mean,
0: I feel like he's a bit, uh, he lightens up a little bit to Barry mm-hmm. after he finds out that Barry just came out. But like that first interaction where, yes. so basically Will is sitting at a table mm-hmm. and he's sitting on like the, the left side of this table. And then at the next table, Barry is sitting at the right side. And right. after a few moments, they realize that they are each other's dates. Because blind dates are a thing still. Right. That's not a thing anymore.
1: Right, because you can always Google the person.
0: Yes. So anyways, um, Will is understandably a little like, oh man. So he he kind of rudely invites Barry to come to the table and it's awkward and his wine glass disappears at one point because mm. continuity. Um, and it's very painful until we find out that Barry's a baby gay.
1: Yeah, I mean, admittedly, that kind of saves the encounter because... Barry's actions can originally be chalked up to him being just kind of an asshole. Once you find out he doesn't know what he's doing, you're like, oh, that's sad. That's sad. It's like you want to adopt him. Right. You know? And I think that that energy could work for a couple of episodes. I mean, we see Will and Jack as kind of like these two quote-unquote opposite paradigms of gay identity. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see how the two of them try to co-parent this baby gay.
0: Yes, and so I'm excited because when, when we leave the episode, Will and Jack, like, show up mm-hmm. to Barry's. And this is after Will, very politely, in my, in my understanding, kind of lets Barry down. And it's yeah. like, it's really nothing to do with you. I just don't really feel the same way for you as you mm-hmm. do for me. And... He's <laughs> definitely going to
1: try to bang Barry once he's hot, though.
0: Probably. Almost certainly. Um, almost certainly that's going to backfire and it's yeah. going to be terrible. But in the meantime, I'm very excited about the fact that Jack and Will decide to gay it forward.
1: Yes, and that's such a beautiful turn of phrase. Mm-hmm. And so critical. I mean, I I hope that you and I one day can gay it forward with some baby gays. I
0: mean, we try... I mean, to... you'll
1: probably be a bitch about it. <laughs> I've
0: had... Many
1: baby gays in my lifetime. Yeah, and you're always kind of grumpy with them.
0: It's just frustrating. The older I get, if they're my age, I'm just like, why didn't you figure this out before now? <laughs> I'm just like, what were you masturbating to that you were confused? <laughs>
1: oh. But
0: like, genuine question, baby gays, what are you masturbating to that got you so confused? Is it like, is it all anime? Is baby it all girl, anime baby porn? Baby,
1: baby gays, send us your masturbation playlist.
0: <laughs> What's your spank bang playlist?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hate Spang Why do you hate
0: It sounds so gross. <laughs> I don't like it. Matthew is flailing in disgust. <sighs> All right, so that's that's what happens with Barry, right? But
1: and we kind of have to just leave it at that because I feel like we, by nature of it being a multi-part series, we didn't get the whole story.
0: Yeah, I mean, literally, like one of the last things we see before Jack and Will decide to gay it forward is him purchasing Will a rainbow flag towel that was apparently $49.99, which has led to some questions. Where was it from? Why is this towel $50? Why does he think Will needs a rainbow flag towel as if he doesn't already have a set?
1: That's what he says. He's like, oh, you probably already got one. (laughs) Will's like, I do not. I do not have a giant rainbow gay beach towel.
0: He's like, this is great if I want people in space to know I'm gay. Well, I think
1: that is... Uh, one area where the episode does kind of have a flaw which is not necessarily repeated in the Revival's presentation of um, Jack's lover is that this character is presented as if he's Will and Jack's age. Yes. And that creates a uncomfortable level of dissonance. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would have made him increasingly more inappropriate for Will to date. Yes. But more appropriate in the context of the story if he was even five years younger. Right. I mean I understand it's early 2000s people are coming out in their 30s all the time. Yes. But I think for the purposes of the story, it would have made it feel a little bit more natural
0: mm. if he
1: was a character who was clearly younger than Will.
0: Right. But, I mean, I think that there is also some truth to the to the purchase of the rainbow towel. Oh, um, true. Because I feel like most baby gays, once they've kind of accepted this about themselves, mm-hmm. the first step is kind of getting a pride flag. Mm-hmm. And often it's something that, like, you see it a lot at actual pride festivals. The baby gays are literally wearing the flag. Mm-hmm. And it looks stupid. Right. And we all know it looks stupid, but you can't. Fault them because they're finally proud of who they Mm -hmm. are, and it's probably them like batting away the shame with their superhero cape of a pride flag, so you don't say anything. Mm -hmm.
1: And we all do our own versions of wearing the pride flag in the rest of our lives. I mean, nothing is more relatable in modern cinema than Simon from Love Simon Googling how to gay clothes. <laughs> I Google how to gay clothes at least once a season. So,
0: I often Google how to gay clothes because yes. I'm just like, I want to appear not heterosexual.
1: And I think that's it is that like, you when you are a baby gay, you're coming at this with such a non-nuanced view of like, how to appear not straight. Wear a rainbow flag around okay. body. And, like, as you get older, in gay years, which are different than your actual years... They're kind of like dog years a little bit. When you get old enough, gay years actually overlap with the age you tell people at the bar that you are. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's fun. <laughs> um, but you, you learn other ways to be openly gay in your outward appearance yeah. without literally wearing a rainbow flag.
0: Yeah, and I think that that kind of reminds me, I'm assuming everyone who listens to this has watched Queer Eye, mm-hmm. um, of the episode they had recently with, um, that was in season two with the trans guy. Yes. And how great he, example. is like in his early 30s mm-hmm. and he's kind of starting to like properly embrace being an adult because now he's finally had top surgery so he can really right and like
1: his arrested development is kind of unarresting
0: yeah exactly and so we kind of see when they make over his place they take the rainbow flags and posters off of the wall and kind of give him updated more adult versions of pride Mm -hmm. because that's what baby gays and baby queers do is we learn right to grow out of that Mm -hmm. arrested development so like while it's a little bit ridiculous that he bought this towel it's understandable for mm-hmm. a baby gay to have done that. And it's not a mistake. It's a phrase that all of us go through.
1: Giving it to Will was kind of a mistake. Giving that was Giving it to kind Will was
0: sort of weird. But, I mean, he had gotten flowers from Will and as a guy in the early 2000s, I have a feeling he's never gotten flowers before. So he probably didn't know what to do about that.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. Good thinking.
0: Alright, so after that treatise on baby gays, <laughs> shall we talk about the Grace plot?
1: Yeah. This plot, man. I... I feel like this is one of the the bottom-of-the-barrel Will and Grace plots we've encountered. (sighs) On so many levels. Like, even before we get to, like, the really, really problematic elements of this storyline with this neighbor. Yeah. Like, it is already not great. I mean, first of all, we have Grace, who has apparently just moved to Brooklyn, even though she got married several episodes ago. Mm
0: -hmm. And, according to the show, several seasons ago.
1: Yeah. Like, so now Grace is in Brooklyn with her new neighbor, we, Leo weirdly isn't there because mm-hmm. he's a doctor. He's very busy. Yeah. Um, I don't really understand why that means they're in Brooklyn at all. Yeah. That's confusing to me.
0: That is confusing
1: it's to me. It's not like he can't afford an apartment in Manhattan.
0: Right. Like, unless, like, the reason is, like, oh, he works in a hospital in Brooklyn and needs to live close. He should just, well, whatever. Right.
1: But they've got this neighbor who comes in and it's just, like, super, super weird.
0: Yes. Like, the first thing she does is try to pawn off her cat on Grace.
1: Yeah, it's it gives me a lot of like Phoebe vibes. Like Phoebe Buffet from yes. Friends.
0: But like in the early seasons when they didn't know what to do with her.
1: Yes. Like it's it's very much like a bizarro early two thousands Brooklyn version of Phoebe Buffet.
0: Yes. And it's also very strange because as millennials, Matthew and I realized that this was before Brooklyn was cool.
1: Yes. And that was a very hard adjustment to make. Harder right. than I would have expected.
0: Right. I mean, we grew up in the era of girls where Brooklyn was where the cool hipster kids mm-hmm. lived. But I guess this is, what, 2002, 2003? Mm-hmm. Like, Brooklyn's still lame. Miranda in Sex and the City does not want to move to Brooklyn. Right.
1: And I, I think that makes sense. Like, I mean, like, I think we're old enough that we have a memory that Brooklyn became cool in our lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of that, it's kind of, All of the cultural cachet of Brooklyn has kind of been erased in our minds. So it's hard to get yourself in that mindset of, like, Brooklyn's a place with big, open apartments where your neighbors are old people and random massage therapists.
0: Yes. So I feel like we've danced around it for too long. We have to talk about the massage therapist. Yeah. And I feel like before we get into this, we should really issue a trigger warning. Yeah. Because basically... This plot involves Grace being touched inappropriately without consent by this massage therapist. And the episode doesn't really handle it in any way that makes any goddamn sense. Yeah. So I, just be warned that we're about to start talking about that.
1: And I think I think that's... In, in many ways, that's the crux of the issue is that the episode talks about it in many confusing ways that don't make sense. Right. Like, it's not a very special episode. It is played as... A joke. It's played as, look what's happened to Grace now! Like Right, and so this character is a massage therapist, at least mm-hmm. that's what she says her career is, and she and Grace are having a couple drinks, and she offers to give Grace a massage because she's tired from moving boxes all day.
0: Right, which, it's a bit odd, but not that weird if your neighbor's a massage therapist. Right,
1: if my neighbor was a massage therapist, and they offered to give me a massage, I might say no, but I at least think about it. Right,
0: so that... I wouldn't
1: get naked the first time.
0: But yes, so Grace gets naked, there is massaging, and then somewhere along the line, Grace gets touched in a way that she is not consented to, Mm -hmm. and is surprised by. Yes. But the show seems to kind of not want to tell us what happened.
1: And that's weird. Yes.
0: Yes. Because we kind of get several different impressions. In some ways, it kind of seems like maybe she just, like, massaged her butt cheeks. Right. And while inappropriate and still definitely not okay, it's a very different situation than if, say, she had, like, fingered her vaginally. Right. And we really kind of get both impressions from the reaction that Grace has.
1: Right. And and that's what's so hard to, like, it's almost hard to even talk about this because it's hard to tell whether we are reading in too much into it or not. Well, that's... And it's problematic that that even exists
0: right and that's the other thing that's frustrating about the episode is the episode kind of feeds that dialogue mm-hmm. the first thing that happens when Grace tells Karen about this is Karen goes what were you wearing implying a victim blaming rape joke
1: admittedly they do spin it around and when Grace tells her she was naked she's like okay that wasn't it right which is
0: but, but the Again, makes, right. it, makes it all the more confusing of yes. how we're like sitting here going, is this supposed to be funny? I'm not sure how to react to this. Because even if we are going to assume that it was um, just kind of a weird misunderstanding and it wasn't right. a sexual assault that we just witnessed, it's still weird it's and uncomfortable still uncool. really
1: uncomfortable and weird and uncool, yes.
0: Because regardless of any of that stuff, she did not say, hey, is it cool if I massage you here? And Grace did not say yes. right. So, I don't fucking know, man. It's, it's
1: weird. It's really weird, and the very nature of the show dancing around it makes it feel like it has to be the latter, right? Because if it was just massaging my butt, like I don't understand why the show wouldn't just say she massaged my butt,
0: right? Like it I, was weird, right? I can't imagine that censors would have too many too much trouble with she massaged my butt. It was weird,
1: right? That would actually like it would still be problematic. But, like, there's something funny about the concept of having your butt massaged. Right. Which would make the episode problematic in a different way, because then it's, like, treating this actual problem like it's just a funny, like, haha, your butt got squeezed Right, thing. yeah. Like, but... I don't know, like, I, I know which is worse from Grace's point of view, but I don't know what combination of this episode being written is worse from the writer's judgment. Right. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, exactly. And so from Grace's perspective, we sort of see her struggling to figure out if Julie, the massage therapist, was hitting on her. Which is, again, a weird interpretation for the show to take.
1: Right. Like, it, it never crosses that plane into what this person did was inappropriate, regardless of this person's intentions.
0: Right. It's, it's wholly focused on the intentions.
1: It's, do I have to say something because this is a lesbian and she's hitting on me, or can I just let it go? Right. Like, that's a weird dilemma.
0: And, like, while I definitely want to support anyone who has been sexually assaulted taking whatever course of action they need to, to, like honor their own experience and move on with their lives, that does not seem to be the approach that ep- this episode is taking. It's not this weird thing happened, do I move on or say something. Right. It's this weird thing happened, does this girl like me?
1: Right. What do I do if she does like oh, me? Oh no,
0: lesbians. <laughs> like, literally the whole premise of this plot seems to be, oh no, lesbians. Uh-huh. But meanwhile, we're watching this in 2018 while like, the Brett Kavanaugh thing is going on being like, oh no, no. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. Bad. This bad. We already did not need a hill, guys. Right. Like, so it's, it's frustrating. And then it gets a bit more frustrating because Grace does decide to confront Julie about it. Which I think is an
1: interesting step for the episode.
0: I agree. But when she confronts her, again, the episode remains extremely hazy about what actually happened. And so then Julie's response is, well, we're girlfriends. Girlfriends are able to do that. We're able to bitch and kiss each other. And touch each other inappropriately and drink wine. And right. Grace's response is, oh, I guess I don't really have a lot of girlfriends.
1: Right. Like, it, it kind it's of, like, like the way the scene is written, it sounds like... This person is a predator who's grooming Grace. Right. But I don't think that's what they meant. Like, I fundamentally don't think, based on the context we got in this episode, that the writers thought they were writing that plot line.
0: Right. But regardless, that's kind of what they wrote. That's kind of what they wrote, though. Especially because the scene culminates in a hug where, again, we don't see it, so we aren't sure exactly what happens, but we can tell that Grace was again touched inappropriately because her face shows shock and discomfort.
1: Right. And it's like... I, I don't understand this blot line. Like, no. there are female writers working on this show. Like, it's not like a bunch of men are sitting in a room being like, Ha ha, one of a lesbian touched Grace! Isn't like, that funny? Like, I'm sure that there is an element of that. It's the early 2000s and it's Hollywood. Mm-hmm. But, like, I just... I, I can't wrap my head around this episode getting past anything. Yeah. I can't see it getting past the writers' room, the producers, the censorship board... And and maybe that's the problem, too, is like it's a death by a thousand cuts, something or other. like maybe
0: this plot in the writer's room was very different and had a much different execution, but because of the way the censors insisted it be edited, it- Or just different changes here and there, and I don't know. But yeah, ultimately what we get is something that makes really no sense, but makes us in 2018 watching this feel very uncomfortable. Well, and here's
1: the other really uncomfortable thing about it, is I don't know what's worse- if this is a one-off B-plot, or if, like the Figmalion plotline, it's going to continue to go on. Yes. And I cannot answer that for you because <laughs> the spoilers. I, I mean, it's... I don't really want the plotline to continue. I want this to just go away. But if it goes on, I feel like that's worse because the only way it can go on is for this person to continue to be pushing Grace's boundaries and doing things that Grace doesn't want her to do until eventually Grace gets fed up with it. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that plotline.
0: line. Right. I mean, it's definitely one thing on the show when we see Grace and Karen consensually kissing and touching each other Mm -hmm. and we have this sort of like, ooh lesbians maybe Mm -hmm. thing. But this is not that. Right. This is not two adults who are jokingly performing sexual and sensual acts on each other. This is something that, regardless of the writer's intention, comes across to us watching it as predatory. Right. And it's creepy as fuck.
1: Well, and there are even things that, like, first of all, Grace saying that she doesn't have any female friends is weird because she has a very strong relationship with Karen. Yes. And that's actually a perfect parallel because there are a number of things that Karen does that do kind of push the boundaries of Grace's comfort level. And we immediately see it and Grace will either call her on it or move away or whatever. You know what I mean? Like,
0: Right. There's an immediate response to that being what is
1: happening. Right. Grace has a really strong sense of what her boundary is with Karen. And... It doesn't make sense that she doesn't know what the boundary should be with this random stranger.
0: Right. I just mean, in any situation, regardless if it's, like, butt-touching or vaginal fingering, if you don't like something, it's very easy for a character like Grace, we would assume, to know that that is what's happening and not be okay with it. Right. And so the fact that we're hedging this at all of this muddiness, to me, makes it seem like a lot more of a classic victim's confusion. But I know that's not what the show's going for. And it's very frustrating.
1: I don't know. I just don't know.
0: Me either. <sighs> so that's the episode this week, I guess.
1: Thinker pose.
0: Matthew is doing the thinker.
1: I got nothing. <laughs>
0: well, while you're thinking, do you want to tell people where they can think at us?
1: Okay. You can think at us on Twitter at NotACoupleShow. You can send us an email at podcast at gmail.com. Or check us out on Facebook, Tumblr, or on our audio homes of Podbean and iTunes.
0: All right. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode, you guys. And we'll see you next week for the second installment of yes. Figmalion.
1: Figmalion, episode two. Do, 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 do,
0: do. Matthew left out the important part where Figmalion episode two is actually called Attack of the Clones.
1: I think it was implied based on being episode two. Well, for first
0: time watchers of Will and Grace, episode two, Attack of the Clones. Um <laughs> Also, before we go, we should remind you, since the new season of The Revival is coming back, that we will be live tweeting. So yes, if you follow us on Twitter, we will be posting our live thoughts and reactions to the new season of The Revival. We're pretty excited about it. Yeah. But yes, look forward to some live tweets from us coming to you soon. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. And we'll see you next week. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this has been Not A Couple. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This week's episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Why is it get out of the window? This week's episode was brought to you by Baby Gay Apparel. Baby Gay Apparel. It's all just fucking rainbow flags, you guys. Just fucking rainbow flags. Baby Gay Apparel.